0: On this episode of Come Pray With Me, I interview Mrs. Hashimi, a writer, educator, and fellow podcaster. She has her own show called Once Upon a Crescent, a children's program that teaches Islamic values through fairy tales and other stories. She will be sharing what led her to create her show and the inspiration behind her stories. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today, Mrs. Hashimi. Yeah, of
1: course. I'm excited to have this conversation. It's been really um, nice to
0: meet you online. I mean, honestly, it was such a pleasant surprise. Thank you. I really enjoyed listening to your podcast. So it was a pleasant surprise when you responded and agreed to do the interview. I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, of course. So, my first question is, what inspires you to create your podcast, Once Upon a Crescent?
1: Um, So, I would say that the lack of Muslim kid representation in media was definitely one of my biggest factors in creating the podcast. So, my kids listen to various different bedtime stories. And they couldn't really relate to the cultural experiences that were embedded in the stories, like um, Valentine's Day or eating turkey with gravy um, or celebrating Fourth of July, just because these are like experiences that um, are not very, uh, I guess, focused within our own family unit. So when they would hear these references on bedtime stories, my son would constantly ask me about these questions and he'd be like, what is gravy? <laughs> And, you know, for a kid who eats like Indian food and like cultural, um, et- ethnic food, he had all these funny questions and um, it kind of, it, it made me think that all these things added up to how my kids were, you know, had curious minds. And um, it was a moment of realization that my children consume in terms of content, videos and stories um, and it has some kind of impression on their minds. And if that impression reflected the idea of how come I'm different, because that was kind of the tone they would ask me in, like, why don't we do that? And what, you know, why can't we be like that? So it kind of got me thinking, like, I, I need to make something for them that's relatable. So I went, and got ahead of that, and I started creating content for a Muslim kid audience, and I wanted to just kind of, like, reassure kids in their own ways that their identity is valid, and there's people and kids that have experiences like you.
0: That's definitely important work that you do. I know there's been a lot of uh, studies about how representation stories and media impacts children's minds, so... I'm sure it definitely means a lot to them, but how do you come up with these ideas for stories and then how do you relate them back to your values as a Muslim?
1: Um, so I watch and observe my kids all day long. They are truly the reason for my buzzing brain. The things that I feel are lacking like in their communication and social emotional development are the exact concepts and ideas that I extract and build on for my own stories so that the kids can relate to the struggles of being a nine-year-old brother and having younger siblings or having to face a classroom full of kids and explaining why you can't eat gelatin and gummy bears. Um, So I try to be that Uh, voice and dialogue and trickle in those conversations into the stories so that the kids have something to refer back to. Um, I think it's helped me tremendously to observe my kids because it helps with my own storytelling. I connect the stories to Muslim values because I revolve the story around like a main takeaway and theme. So that takeaway is sometimes uh, a verse from the Quran um, about character development, or maybe it's a narration from the Prophet, peace be upon him's life. Something that um, will just stick with them, like a moral, um, like like a moral guide. So I try to place that in there effortlessly. So it's not like too luxury. It's kind of naturally in there
0: I have to agree it flows very well and very naturally like it sort of reminded me of some of the stories I grew up with in a way because I would read stuff like Peter Rabbit and all these stories have lessons in them but it's not like you're lecturing children and uh, a lot of your stories kind of have this same uh whimsical nature to them but also telling uh, different stories about these characters who evolve over time. Yeah so, oh it's so cool that you noticed that that means a lot to me. Thank you yeah I mean I, I still read a lot of the same stuff I did when I was little I've always loved fairy tales and sometimes I listen to them before I fall asleep at night which was actually how I found shell. Oh, nice. Yeah, I definitely love fables. As a kid, I loved
1: the whole talking animals and like entering the world of um, like an animal kingdom. So I, I, I know exactly what you mean. There's something comforting
0: about that. Definitely, definitely. So I know you have experience as a teacher. So how has this influenced the way that you do your podcast and your stories?
1: yeah so I think being a teacher really brought an openness to my parenting, which in effect like helped me see the world through a child's eyes and I think that's number one strength as a parent is that I can empathize with my kids. I know that that's very um It it, it deviates from the regular like parent-child role where children must listen to the parents and children must abide by certain rules. But with me, I, I really try to put myself in my children's shoes. And I even ask myself, am I being unreasonable here? Is this too much to ask? So I think being a teacher actually opened that door for me. And it helped me empathize with children's limitations, their struggles. And I think that knowing that brought an awareness this to me so that I can put it into like a meaningful dialogue and create these teachable moments inside of of my stories. So that's definitely where I think that comes in play. And this is something that I learned as a teacher before having my own kids. In order for children to be receptive to a new idea in a lesson and for them to be cooperative to the message. You have to have like an influence on them. And to me, the best way to have an influence on that child, whether it's my own children or whether it's a kid audience, is that they have to kind of feel safe and comfortable. So I think that that concept really trickles into how I approach my podcast in general.
0: I have to say, I think that's very interesting because a lot of your stories have balances between uh, like slice of life and children in different situations, like uh, Adam's gummy bear situation or the Pokemon pencil where it's, you know, stories of actual children. Or then there's stories that kind of have these magical elements to it, like talking animals like Beer John's Promise or uh, Rife's rumbling roar, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, that's for me, that, that's what um, I, I I really like focusing on. My main thing is I want the kids to listen to it and think, hey, she gets me that
0: that's something I would say or this is something I would face. (laughs) So out of all of these different stories that you've written, do you have one that's a favorite or one that was particularly fun to write? Oh
1: man, I get asked this a lot actually, and I can't say that I have a favorite per se, because every story that I've written correlates to like a different parenting struggle or a milestone that I faced with my own kids. Um, The conversations happening in my household are reflective of the stories that I create. So I kind of see the stories as like the symbolical journal entry, if you will, of my own unique parenting journey. So I think every story is a favorite, (laughs) but I'm being biased about it. I think, um, well, my five-year-old, he absolutely loves the talking animals and fable type stories. And I love that he loves them, so I would say they—they're kind of my favorite. Anything with the talking animals. Um, Ubi the ostrich—it's um, one of my early ones. I actually wanted to introduce the concept of um, growth mindset to kids about how your abilities are not fixed and you just have to get over like this mental hump if you will, and then believe in yourself and just kind of have that faith. So I would say Ubi the Ostrich is one of my favorites.
0: That's so fun. That's such a a cool way to introduce these concepts to children. And I feel like that's really important for them. Like, there's a lot of media out there that I feel like is sort of watered down or it oversimplifies things. But Children are capable of understanding a lot more than we give them credit for,
1: and it's Mm -hmm. important that we
0: give them these tools to kind of help them navigate the world around them and be able to grow and evolve as they get older. So I appreciate that your stories have that and that they treat kids with uh, dignity and respect.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, honestly, I definitely aspire to be like the parents that I portray on the stories. <laughs> um, you know, there there are times where I am literally talking to myself and I'm telling myself, okay, you need to pause and you need to take a deep breath because the parents in these stories do it. So I definitely um, want to be that kind of person that I portray on the stories. And my kids definitely pick up on that too. They're like, you know, mama that mama on the story was so nice to her kids (laughs) and I'm like yes I will get there just chill wait wait with me (laughs) I will get there (laughs) oh my gosh but yes kids definitely pick up on everything
0: absolutely absolutely my uh my nephew and niece are the same way whenever anything goes on with them she's like I don't know is that is that what um oh my gosh they they like um this one book about dinosaurs so they're always talking about the dinosaurs i'm so embarrassed i can't remember their names It's like i don't know if that's what the dinosaur mom would do she she let the kids go out and graze on the leaves because i told them to stop eating all the candy before dinner but (laughs) anyway (laughs) <laughs> oh man honestly
1: kids will extract anything that they watch and learn and bring it up in front of you that's that's I think that's the the beauty of their innocence right they're trying
0: to make sense of the world I was impressed at how much they remember that because I read that story to them like over a month ago but they remembered that one line in particular <laughs> What you said you're like, how convenient. It's <laughs> like, you got to use those smarts for good. <laughs> yeah. So how do you uh, yourself use prayer in your faith?
1: Um, so Muslims pray five times a day. So I use prayer daily as a means of refocusing and realigning myself to who i am so in what i believe is that i am a submitter to god allah and as i'm getting older i'm realizing more and more the power of prayer and connecting back to our divine creator and the one entity that truly knows us and who we know on such a deep intuitive level um you know it's so funny uh there's all this talk about souls and um um, you know, with the with the new movies coming out and stuff, and I've always loved the, that concept, right, of this different realm, like a completely different spirit, spiritual, um, I guess, dimension. And in within Islam, is we know that our souls um, come from Allah, from from our Creator. We are we're light. So I feel like these days I. I really yearn the solitude to feel that light and, you know, that warmth of just being vulnerable and raw with myself in front of God and asking these like deep questions that, you know, maybe I don't have the answers to entirely, but it's something that I definitely see as a main focus for my prayers. Um, There is one prayer that's been on my mind a lot these days. Uh, It's a prayer from the Quran. And I say this prayer with my mom in mind. And now as a mother myself, I can really appreciate the big and little sacrifices that my parents endured to raise me. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna share it with you. It's from the Quran. Um, The translation is, uh, my Lord have mercy upon them as they brought me up when I was small." And the focus of this uh, verse is the word mercy. And you know, to me, mercy is such a complex word. And I've been deconstructing that myself these days, but as especially because I'm in the thick of parenting. I'm like, I'm mad at you, but how do I not? translate that so you don't feel it because in my mind that's mercy that's mercy right like I need to set my feelings aside and I can't change the way I approach my child like I I have to still be warm and compassionate so it's definitely something that I am deconstructing and kind of working through when I think about prayer but thank you so much for asking that question honestly like it really got me thinking about like how do I use prayer yeah it's it's definitely a really interesting question. I feel like i can I can go on about it a few for a few, like for hours. I just have to sit with
0: myself <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I love hearing that perspective from people because although uh, different religions out there might have differences in texts or in certain practices, pretty much all of them use prayer like every religion has some sort of a prayer that people use so that is really what ties into the interfaith themes of my show and that's why Mm -hmm. I try to ask every participant if they have a prayer that they want to share with me and I really appreciate that you do that since I know it's got a lot of meaning
1: yeah And honestly, like, that's such a wonderful thought as well. You know, we all pray, you know, maybe my prayer doesn't look the same as um, someone else, but I think the main, like the skeleton of it is that we know we need somebody, right? Like we know we need a higher entity. We on our left to our own devices are not very useful to ourselves. Like we need some, we need that higher power, that, that divine guidance. And I think that, you know, having faith in that really pulls people through in tough situations. It's like, I can't control what comes next, but I believe, and I trust that the one that's looking out for me will control it for my best interest. So I, I think it's a beautiful concept to know that everyone relies on a higher power
0: absolutely do you have anything else you would like to discuss on the show today um honestly i just
1: wanted to express my you know gratitude to you um i i doing this podcast i really didn't think it would go outside the realm of like Muslim kid (laughs) so I thought it was just amazing that I got to you know my story reached you like way across the country I'm in like you know a different part of the country and it's just so impactful on me personally to know that it touched you in some way and I just wanted to say thank you thank you for making time for me
0: Absolutely. And just the same. Thank you for making time for me and for my show. I know you have a lot on your plate with your podcast and the stories you create. And then, of course, you have uh, your children. So it it means a lot that you were able to carve out time for me and also that you were uh, willing to share these aspects of your faith with us on the show. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I enjoyed the conversation.
0: Me too. It's been wonderful. Thank you again for being on the show with us today, Mrs. Hashimi.
1: Yeah. Have a good weekend. I really appreciated this.
0: Absolutely. You too. Once Upon a Crescent can be streamed on all major podcast platforms such as Spotify and iTunes.